Welcome to the Dear Professor series, where college students who take courses online speak their minds. I am your host and e-learning strategist, Dr. Kelly Alston, who is honored to have a conversation with today's guest as she sheds light on her experiences as an online student. I've been teaching online since 2004 and made the tough decision to obtain my PhD through an online program. So I have been both an online instructor and an online student. As a result, I know that there are some wonderful things happening with online programs, as well as some not so wonderful things going on. The purpose of this series is to help professors and students experience a more fulfilling online learning environment by allowing students to reveal their needs and pet peeves. My hope is that this information will support professors in making the necessary changes or adjustments in the design and delivery of their online courses, which should ultimately enhance student success and satisfaction with distance education. So if you are interested in hearing what students have to say about their lived experiences online, please hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so that every Wednesday at 8 p.m., the latest episode will come straight to you. Also, feel free to comment about anything said and ask questions. Today, I'm honored to be sharing this time and space with Ms. Kai Howard. Hi, how are you doing on this glorious day? Hi, Dr. Kelly. I'm doing wonderful, wonderful. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward to this interview. So am I. So Kai, as I've told you before, I just love your name. Let's say it, everyone. Kai. <laughs> It is unique. And as an educator for over two decades, I have seen and heard so many different names, but I can honestly say that I have never had a Kai in my class. So sometimes there's a special story behind somebody's name. Is there one that explains how you were named Kai? Well, not really. (laughs) My brother told me that when my mom was pregnant with me that she wanted a boy. And so she thought that Kai was perfect for a boy. So when she delivered and I came out as a girl, she just kept the same name. So that's, I don't think it has any meaning behind it. I just Mm -hmm. think she thought it was a good name for a boy and didn't have a backup plan. So she kept it for me as a little girl. Well, I just love it. It sounds so sophisticated and it is definitely unforgettable. So thanks to your mom for staying with what she desired. (laughs) Right, right, right. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Kai. Well, okay. So I am a 47 and a half year, almost 48 in December, doctoral student who is pursuing my EDD in organizational leadership and organizational development. Currently, I am attending a private Christian university. I know that's not a traditional way to go about getting your doctorate, but um, I just wanted to have the 
um, Christian piece of it attached to what my my work that I was doing. I've worked in law enforcement for 23 years. I'm a single mother of an eight-year-old. I'm an avid fitness kickboxer, roller skater, and science fiction buff. And one of my biggest desires is to one day narrate a TEDx talk. So that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. Oh my, there's so much to unpack here. I have, you are such an interesting person. Let's start with this law enforcement for 23 years. So how has that been? So I started, I'm a probation officer okay. and I supervise a caseload of um, domestic violent offenders who were just recently released from prison mm-hmm. under the assembly bill 109, which states, okay, you went to prison for this amount of time because of your behavior. And because we're trying to minimize the population in prison, we're going to let you out at the highest level of probation. So my, my caseload and what my unit does is equivalent to state parole, but they're just supervised at the County level. So I started in probation when I was 23 or 24 years old and Mm -hmm. I've been there ever since. So I have about seven more years and I'll have 30 years with the probation department and I can officially retire. So this Thank is interesting. Yeah, okay. So this is interesting that you're getting um, an EDD and organizational leadership. So does that tie in with your um, career right now or is that another career that you want to explore? It actually ties into what I'm doing right now because eventually I want to move up into the management positions. I don't want to supervise caseloads until I retire. So it puts you in management, but with an EDD and organizational leadership and organizational development, it puts you even higher into executive management where you can um, make up policy and procedures for the entire department. Oh, that is wonderful. Now, this might sound hmm, amateur, but do you remember Tybo? Yes. <laughs> When you said yes. kickboxing, I immediately thought about Tybo. So, but you're a little bit more advanced than that. Is that what we're saying? Since you do it quite often. Well, Tybo is a little bit different. Tybo is a lot faster than okay. kickboxing. Okay. Tybo doesn't have a lot of bag work. So oh. um, kickboxing has a lot of bag work and the instructor actually individually holds pads for you. Tybo doesn't do that. Oh, so Billy Blanks had me thinking I was really doing kickboxing all those years. Well, you were just with the air. (laughs) Okay. All right, Kai. So what is your general experiences with taking courses online? Well, you know, it was my decision to start taking online courses because of the pandemic. So schools were shut down. And so work was also shut down. And so I had nothing to do. So I was like, you know, my job is going to pay for tuition reimbursement. Let me try these online classes. So I started with online classes with my master's degree. And then I started, um, once I was completed with that, I started 30 days later with my doctoral degree, but I'm very glad that I started with online classes because I don't think that I would be able to have the patience to sit into a regular classroom at my age. So online classes worked perfect for me because the curriculum 
is built around the working professional. So that's perfect for me. So did you say, let me be clear, that you started your P, your no, your EDD 30 days after you finished your master's? I did. Okay, talk to us about that kind. You didn't so, need a little break. You didn't need a little breaky break. Well, I felt like if I got out of rhythm, I wouldn't mm-hmm. do it. Okay. And it just so happened that the doctoral um, classes started 30 days later. I wish they would have started two weeks later because I was already in rhythm with my master's. So I um, wanted to just keep going and keep going without a huge break because once you get out of rhythm, you get lazy. That so is I so said, true. you know, it's perfect. 30 days, it gives me a little time to spend with my daughter so she doesn't feel so neglected. And then I'll, I'll still be in rhythm. Okay. Well, Kai, I've done a little digging around on this World Wide Web. And on October 24th, 2022, the Journal of Blacks in Higher Education reported that if the data is restricted to U.S. citizens and permanent residents of this country, 2,431 Black Americans earned doctorates from American universities in 2021. Black Americans earned only 7.7% of all doctorates awarded to U.S. citizens or permanent residents of this country. Now, listen to this. Of the 2,431 African Americans who earned doctorates, In 2021, 1,552 were women. That means that women, Black women, earned 63.9% of all doctorates awarded to African Americans in 2021. What do you think about this? Is this statistic alarming, surprising, inspiring? What's your reaction to that? Um, I think it's not surprising at all. Because the way the world is evolving, women are evolving with it and roles are reversing in the homes. Mm -hmm. So I think women feel like they have to be more educated or have the highest level of education to be able to, you know, contribute a lot more to the household. So it's not, the statistic is not alarming because the way the world is evolving with a lot more um, fathers being out of the home, out of African-American homes, inflation, and everything that's involved in that. So I don't think that us being educated more so now Mm -hmm. should surprise anyone, actually. I think people should be like, I expected that to happen. Okay. So I think it's an expectation. Right. And um, I've been noticing, too, that a younger black women are getting their doctorates. Like you said, you were 47, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. I have, a, I have a cousin in her 20s that's pursuing her doctorate. Do you know of anybody that's, you know, in that young, that 20-year-old, 20, 20 to 30-ish group? That's I, doing do. I, I, I do. My niece is actually just became a Ph.D. candidate, and she's 28. Yes. And this girl has been going to school, I swear, since she was four nonstop. <laughs> and so I can see how that younger generation is, um, the numbers will be larger because, you know, women my age, we've already settled. 
into our professions, our families, and those types of things. These younger women that want to be educated, they're going for it, which I think is good. I think it's very good. It is. So how does your daughter feel about you pursuing your doctorate? Um, She really doesn't understand the level of discipline and the level of rigor it takes to pursue this doctorate. Only thing she knows is you got to do homework again. You doing <laughs> homework again? How much homework do you have? Does it take a long time? So she, I have to make sure that I balance it so she doesn't feel neglected in any way. So I try to do homework with her. When she's doing her homework, I'm doing my homework. And so when she's done, I I actually take a break so she doesn't feel the neglect too much. But I don't think she understands the level of what I'm trying to do. I can certainly relate to that because I was actually teaching online as well pursuing a doctorate online with a daughter and I'm a single parent as well. And you do have to make sure that you explain to them that mommy has a goal and I will be on the computer (laughs) a lot. Right. But also that you spend that time. I remember uh, my daughter and I used to have Friday was movie night. So that was Mm -hmm. our little time to go either we would purchase movies or um, stream them, you know, when streaming became really big. And so yeah, that's funny you say that because me and my daughter had the same thing last Saturday night. We streamed a movie that we wanted to watch. Right. So my daughter has this huge video collection because I would go to this used bookstore and actually buy movies so that she would actually have the tangible copy of the movie. Oh, so, yes, yes. Yeah, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I guess I'll keep it, you know, all those DVDs. But yeah, that was just really a special time and a break for me too. So that's good that you set that time aside. Yeah. So Kai, if you were to rate your experience with online courses on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being outstanding and one being horrific, what rating would you give and why? Well, I would have to say I would rate my online experience to be a seven. And I think that rating comes from the school's curriculum. I think every school would provide a different experience. I think the institution that I am, I expected a little more because it's a private Christian university and I just didn't get my expectation wasn't met on the Christian side of it. And I, Um, I was disappointed in that, in that realm. Okay. So let's talk about that. So what do you think they could have done better as it relates to that Christian element? They could have incorporated more Christian assignments attached to what their curriculum um, currently is. I got a lot of that more so with my master's degree than I am with doctoral studies. We haven't done anything um, Christian related in any of these assignments. It's all leadership and um, organizational development. Oh, that's interesting because you would think with leadership and with the call that a believer would have, you know, in organizations Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. they would tie that in. Mm-hmm. So you have to give them that feedback because that's mm-hmm. really important. Like you said, you chose a Christian university for a reason. So, yeah. Right. But still, seven is still a high score. 
So kudos to them for that. <laughs> All right, Kyle, let's talk about your needs as an online student. Now, a need is defined as something you require because it is essential or very important. So when you click on the online course or courses in which you are enrolled, what do you require or desire from the professor and the course to be successful? That's a very, very good question. So initially, I didn't have any expectations because I had never done online school before. But being in school for three and a half years consecutively, now I realize it's very important to have communication face to face at some point. Everything cannot be virtual because you don't get, some people don't understand that way. They need that face to face. They understand body language. They understand tone. And I needed that. And a lot of professors weren't providing that. They would just say, call me during my office hours and I'll try to explain it to you. But I prefer that the professor allows us to have Zoom or um, Google Meets, anything that I could see your face and talk to you. It gives you that one-on-one face-to-face interaction. And a lot of professors don't offer that. And it's very much so needed. Okay. Was that your, um, the only thing that you needed? So in addition, (laughs) a lot of times I don't get to speak with professors about their feedback. And so sometimes I don't understand it. Good, bad, or indifferent. Okay. Specifically when it came to my proposed dissertation topic, I needed the classroom and all the feedback to feel like in-person and less of a virtual reality. So I wanted to be able to understand the feedback from my professors and talking to them and seeing them and having them say, hey, I need you to do this instead of writing it in the comment section on my papers or whatever the assignment, I needed to speak to them and say, Kai, I need you to do this or this doesn't match this or this is wrong, change this. There's only so much you can understand by reading comments and trying to apply it to Mm -hmm. the assignment necessary or future assignments. So I I really need that face-to-face interaction. Okay. And so seeing the, the missing element of online, especially if it's done that way completely asynchronously, which I'm so sorry that that's been your experience, but completely asynchronous, it takes away all the things that we learn through communication, which is body language, tone of voice, all of that. And so what you're saying is that you feel like they should have an opportunity for you to have video calls um, as it relates to things that you don't understand as well right. as feedback that they give you on your assignments. Right. Because right. some of this feedback I've gotten, I'm like, these professors aren't Christian, they're gangsters. What's going on here? <laughs> so I sometimes it feels like a personal attack. Right. And so I need to be able to understand, okay, I need to talk to you. I need to hear your voice. I need to see your body language to understand, okay, Kai, this is not personal. Maybe it's you because sometimes it is very, very harsh and you don't know how to digest that 
Right. And you don't know how to apply that to what they want you to do because you feel so attacked. You're like dejected by that point. Right. Because too much can be left to interpretation. And you're very sensitive. Well, maybe I shouldn't put words in your mouth, but I was very sensitive at this point. You've written a million papers, probably. Of course, I'm exaggerating. This is not that, you know, and so it's very it's a very sensitive document that you're creating. And it It needs to be taken. It needs to be personal, Um, you know, just like just now when I just shared how many people are getting doctorates. Well, only 4.7 million people in the United States have one. So it's not like you have thousands of students. So right. when you get to this level, there should be enough time allotted to have that one-on-one relationship with right. somebody that has taken the time to pursue a doctorate. So I totally agree with you with that. Did you have any others or those are those your two major ones? No, that I, I know online school is limited with communication. But with technology, I think we should push the limits. Like if you, if your office hours are from one to three, why does it have to be a phone call? Can it be a Zoom meeting? Can it be a a Google Meets meeting? Can it be um, a Zoom classroom? Can it be, can we have class via Zoom? Right. We could see everybody that wants to participate. But that hasn't been my experience. And I feel like that's the missing piece is to be able to see. And it breeds camaraderie with other students and it's the professor. So and that's how you get your community group, your supportive community group. You need to see people and talk to people and, you know, get the good vibes from people. And, and I haven't had that experience so thus far. Well, I'm so glad that you're saying this. This is a whole nother panel discussion because uh, my first three years teaching online, it was just completely asynchronous. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't do this because I'm a people person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, I can't do this. And so our dean at the time noticed that students' grades were not up to par. And so she uh, insisted that we have synchronous sessions, everyone. So then after the first two years, she said, okay, now we'll let you decide you know, how often you want to meet. And I was the one that had synchronous sessions almost every week. And as a result, I have really strong relationships Mm -hmm. with students and my students have created a network with each other. And so Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that what you're saying, what you're envisioning is true, that if you were to have that synchronous opportunity and those live office hours, that things would be a lot different. You would feel you might, you might give a 10, (laughs) Before your distance, you know, because you can't take, you have to make distance learning less distant. You know, we have exactly. to do that. And Absolutely. we have technology in place that we can do that. So thank Absolutely. you for sharing that. So now let's talk about your pet peeves, which it kind of sounds like you shared a little bit, but <laughs> a pet peeve is a minor annoyance that an individual finds particularly irritating. And it's something that bothers you more than it bothers others. So your pet peeve may not be someone else's and that's okay. So share with us what really annoys you when it comes to online courses. What are your pet peeves, Ty? (laughs) So I do have a couple, I should say. (laughs) I think one of the most annoying pet peeves I have is when other students in the online forum respond to my discussion questions as if they are the professor or my answer is wrong. 
you know, mm. many students that are online, and I don't know if it's an age thing, but they don't have online etiquette. If if you understand what I'm saying, I, do. I usually when I respond to somebody, I say hello to them, and I end it with good or great response to the DQ. I ask them questions inside the inside my response, but I never just start off by saying, well, this, this, and this, and this, as if I'm wrong or you're presenting like you're the professor. It drives me crazy. And I'm like, okay, so how do I respond to that? Right. So most of the times I don't even respond to it because I can see how it would turn into an online debate or argument or miscommunication. I just don't think that people have the appropriate, uh, some people, not all people, some people don't have the online response etiquette that's needed for discussion questions. They and don't. what do you, what do you think that's a reflection of? Where is that coming from? Cause you're I think right. That comes from age. Okay. Age. People upbringings are different. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they deal with people are different they may not be taking the discussion questions as seriously as others, or they probably think they're smarter than you. I think a lot of that comes from, you know, trying to be a know-it-all or trying to impress the professor, which is so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. So are you finding that with older students, younger students, or just people in general? Um, Some responses that I get, I can tell they are of the younger generation. Okay. Mature students don't do that. They, they specifically write into the response exactly what you're supposed to write. And, and it's, it's appropriate. Some of these responses are not appropriate. And some of them I'm like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Like, why did you respond with that? So those responses, I just ignore, I just ignore. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't entertain them. But I think it's just an age thing. Right. So, Kyle, let's explain to some people. I'm sure everybody knows that's listening to this uh, interview um, who may be interested in, you know, the online environment. But let's just explain to them. What are you talking about when you say DQ and these responses? Because we need to talk about it. Okay. So (laughs) part of the school's curriculum is that you are to complete two discussion questions, which are we hyphenate them as DQs and you have to respond to three of um, your peers online on three separate days. So you write your initial response to the discussion question. And then on three different days per week, you respond to someone else in the classroom, respond to what they, their responses to the initial DQ. Um, A lot of times this takes a lot of work. Because sometimes another pet peeve I'm going into right now is those discussion questions are not just one question. The professor will have three or four questions built into one question. So it's very time consuming. And I'm just like, can you just ask one question? One discussion question is all we want. (laughs) So that's what I mean when I say DQ and peer responses is um, a discussion board. So the interesting thing that you said to me is that at your university, you have two of these a week. Yes. 
How does that make you feel in, in just in general? I know you said it takes a lot of time, but when is it's, discussion board question day? What comes over you? Well, the funny thing is, is our school week starts on Thursday and it ends on a Wednesday. But the first discussion question is due on Saturday and the second one is due on Monday. So you get two days for the first discussion question and four days for the second discussion question, which is weird. Mm -hmm. It is very time consuming. Um, The research question, I mean, the discussion question is not time consuming. It's the research to back what you're saying is what's time consuming. Yes, I'm glad you pointed it out so that people that are listening, you're not just giving your opinion. At most universities, you have to cite references. Do you have to do that, Kai? Absolutely. We have to cite a minimum of two um, citations per discussion question. And in your peer response, you have to have a minimum of two citation per peer response. My, my, my. Now, do you have a certain, like, is it 500 words? Is there a certain limit to the number of words you have to have? Do they go it, that depends on, it depends on the professor. Um, the professor that I have right now, your discussion questions have to be a minimum uh, or your discussion responses, I'm sorry, have to be a minimum of 250 words and two citations. Ooh, I'm just, I'm having flashbacks. So let me, let me. <laughs> I've been triggered, everyone. I've been triggered. <laughs> and then the peer responses have to be a minimum of 150 words per response and two citations. My, my, my. Yeah, so we've talked about this off the interview, but I used to, every Wednesday, we only had to do one, but like you said, they might have multiple questions. So we had, the question was uh, posted, Ours was our response was due on Wednesday, and you had until Sunday to respond to three people. So we had a little mm-hmm. bit more leeway than you did, but it was, when I tell you I had to put it in my phone, to set an alarm, to tell me to post my response, yes. um, and every Wednesday, I felt like I was in bondage, you know, like. Literally, yeah. like I, I could not stand doing discussion board questions. Why do yeah. you think universities use that as a method of class participation? Because they have no other method <laughs> outside of um, Zoom and uh, what Google Meets. And right. so I think they use that to get students collaborating with each other, talking to each other, communicating with each other. That's their only means of getting everybody to talk to each other in some sort of way. Right. Virtually. Yeah, I think we need to work on that and be a little bit more innovative with that. Oh, absolutely. Because I definitely I told you I don't even use discussion boards in my courses. And so um, there's a lot of interesting, more interesting things that can be done mm-hmm. that really would excite people about you know, interacting with other people. So I'm glad we were able to, I hope people are listening and taking notes because this is a really important aspect of distance learning that we really need to change, in my opinion. Did you have yeah. any, any, oh, go ahead. Go ahead and say what you I was going to say, the, you know, there are some people that like group projects. There are professors that will put out group projects. And that's also another way to build camaraderie among students. But students like me hate group projects because now at the doctoral level, you have to depend on yourself. 
and having to wait on someone else is it breeds anxiety and it brings up a lot of other things that that are unnecessary. I don't want to wait on you and then I don't want you to give me something and I'm looking at it like no, this is not right or it might be wrong or it doesn't fit. So group projects, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of 50 on group projects for that for that reason. Yeah, I understand that group. I what I really like, let me tell you what I really like since we're going down this road. I really like synchronous group activities. So that the people who show up for the live session um, are able to interact. And it's not about waiting for somebody to do their part of a project, you know, uh, asynchronously, but that we're doing, we're having discussions and working on something while we're all here right now. And that's what I've found to be uh, more effective than the actual projects that are done, you know, in an asynchronous class, because, you know, you do have those freeloaders who don't may not necessarily do their job oh my and you goodness. are having to wait and your grade is dependent on other people. Yes. So yes. That is an alternative. It's just that getting people to come to class for those synchronous sessions is a whole nother issue, um, you Absolutely. know, for another day. So did you have any other pet peeves? That was it. Just the discussion questions and the Etiquette. multiple questions built inside of one question. Right. And then the etiquette, right? That was your other, the other yes. one. Of the student the online etiquette, yes. Okay. All right. Well, we have made it to the Dear Professor segment where you get the opportunity to share your heart with a fellow professor that you have in mind. Imagine there's an online bulletin board with sticky notes or messages from students to professors. As our featured scribe, share with us the note you would leave one of your online college professors. Ooh, (laughs) let's see. I would say, dear professor, thank you for actively engaging in this course. I really appreciate you making this course feel like an in-person school session and less like a virtual reality. While this course was engaging as well as interesting, sometimes your feedback felt like a personal attack instead of educational guidance. As a result, it made me unsure of how to implement and apply your feedback to future assignments. I appreciate your candor as I can sometimes be the same way. Is there a way we can meet face-to-face so I can understand what you're trying to relate to me? Have an amazing day and even a more amazing weekend. Yes, Yes, I love how you uh, created a compliment sandwich. So perfectly, you gave them some constructive criticism or praise or encouragement. And then you, well, you gave the praise first and then you gave the constructive criticism and then you ended it on a positive note. So I, I just really enjoyed that, that, um, that message to that professor. So as we close, let me share my takeaways from today's conversation. Well, when you're taking online courses, Kai, you want to have communication face-to-face, meaning Zoom, not in person, but in a video call. You would prefer to have that face-to-face interaction at some point during the course. You also would love to talk to your professors about the feedback that they give and not just have that written feedback. 
Also, you would like for professors to refrain from having multiple questions in their uh, discussion board posts or their discussion board questions. And you would like for the students to develop some type of etiquette. Do you think that the professors could actually create some type of tutorial or training on how to respond to discussion board questions? I think they could, but the way students are, um, their upbringing has a lot to do with their etiquette. So professors can't teach upbringing. They can't teach etiquette because that's a learned behavior from in the house. Right. And so they can't teach you how to be respectful offline or in person. You can't teach that. That's something you should have learned as a child. So, but I think there could be some type of um, policy saying, hey, this is a professional environment and we expect this or that. So I think there could be an expectation list, um, you know, that professors could put out some type of way. Right. Because even in my classes where I've used journals or blogs, I would say, address your classmate by name. You know, I would tell them some specific things because mm-hmm. you would be surprised that people don't even know how to say, hi, Kai, I really enjoyed they your don't. And I would say, say something positive about their journal entry. And then I would tell them how they can make connections. You might find They do like, not say you know, hello. It's, right. it's crazy. They just start talking and abusing, yes. you know, whatever they want to do. So, yes. you're right. so I do think that what you're saying is, is, you know, you can't train them, but a guideline list or some kind of standard uh, rubric could be applied to help them um, because we can't assume that people know how to talk to people in these days and right. time. Well, and, guess- and what we have to understand is if it's an age thing, right? even at the doctoral level, people type how they text and it's disturbing it's so true (laughs) it's disturbing i'm like that's not it (laughs) that's not it and you know sometimes i would look at people's posts and i'm like and i see them in the next class i'm like you passed the class because i couldn't you know just based on their discussion board posts i'm like there's no way this person's going to pass this doctoral level course and they would be in the next class the next class Mm -hmm. doing the same thing Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, you know, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe yeah. the professors are a little bit more lenient than what we would be if we were teaching a doctoral level course. I don't know, because I put a lot of effort into my responses. And then when I read other people responses and they're like right at the 249 word <laughs> minimum. Mark. <laughs> they were counting. I'm just like. Maybe I'm working too hard. <laughs> oh, we are kindred spirits. Okay. That's me. I'll write like a nice, like you're writing a paper, you know, just a yes. nice. Paper. And then you read somebody else's like, that's why I was saying, I would be like, and they are in the next class. They passed. Right. Next class. Yeah. Right. But guess what? I forgot to ask you that. I can't let you leave without um, discussing since you are a doctoral student. There's a study in research policies that found that 50% of doctoral candidates experience psychological distress. Would you say that you fall in the 50% who do experience psychological distress or the 50% who do not? I would say I fall into the 50% who do um, suffer with psychological distress for a number of reasons. 
one, um, because I am a single mom. So okay. that being a parent alone is stressful enough in this world. Yes. Two, I have a rigorous job and it's a very volatile job at any minute. And three, sometimes I don't think um, professors realize the feedback that they're giving sounds very uh, brutal. And so sometimes I internalize that feedback and it takes a toll on you mentally because mm-hmm. you want to do well and you want to balance work and life and you want to be a good parent. It's very stressful and it brings up about a lot of anxiety. And so I try to kickbox in order to, you know, bring some of that stress down and try to, you know, make myself feel like it's going to be okay. Try not to take it so seriously. I mean, doctoral studies, I have made it equivalent to academic hazing. (laughs) So I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to say that. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's tough. And if you are not a person that knows how to Mm self-regulate, this is probably not for you. Say it again. If you are a person, tell that them is not, if, if you are not a person that has the ability to self-regulate, doctoral studies is not for you. Yes. Is this not something you do just because you want doctor in front of your name? Let's just That's make right. that clear. <laughs> That's right. Because you might do more damage to yourself than good in the process. So absolutely. I had to ask you that and I forgot to. So I wanted to end on that note. And Kai, I want to thank you for spending your precious time with me today. I have enjoyed you so much. I wish you well as you complete your doctoral studies and become Dr. Kai Howard. Now, what year would this be, Kai, when you do this? I'm looking for commencement to be 2025, the spring of 2025. All right. So there it is. We are in agreement with you that 2025, you will be Dr. Kai Howard. I am looking forward. (laughs) I'm looking forward to not being in school anymore. Yes, keep me posted. Now, let me let me just warn you. You you might have a little. Uh, let me see what what do we call it? There's some type of psychological situation that occurs after you finish your doctor. Did you know that? Because you've no. been in, has researched that. So some people, <laughs> I remember seeing this guy on Instagram talking about he had a picture of himself sitting on his porch, and he was like, "I'm lost at this point," you know, because you're so used to doing. Yes. Pursuing and, you know, pursuing all these degrees. And so then when you don't have to do that, you have to figure out, okay, so now I have time for this and so. And now, you know, you don't have a paper due. You don't have uh, all of this feedback coming in of something that you, it's like when you, it's, it's like when you set a goal and once you achieve it, they say yeah. it's more about the journey than the actual goal. Cause once you achieve it, it's like, okay, what's next? Yeah. It's almost equivalent to, a parent that's an empty nester. Yeah. Once their kids leave. That'll be like, me. That'll be me. <laughs> in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. So you have to figure out like, I'm not, you know, Zoe's Uber anymore. I'm not having to reg, you know, get organized her schedule. So right. what do I do with that time now? Exactly. That was a good analogy. So I just wanted to warn you that you might feel that. Yeah, a little bit afterwards. Although some people say they don't feel anything. They're like, honey, I'm I'm good. I'm so done. You, 
Right. <laughs> so thank you all for joining us. Remember to comment, like, and share. Follow and subscribe. I look forward to spending time with you next week on the Dear Professor series where college students who take courses online speak their minds. Bye-bye.